0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX.
2: Thank you, Mr. Kelly. And uh, great news. He's always the professional. The professional, the professional. The professional. <laughs> Let's see, a tip jar right here. Just put a tip in my Please. jar. <laughs> yes, folks, if you have any questions or concerns or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Welcome to this second hour of the Garden Hotline. I'll be giving you the tip of the trial shortly, but right now you can call those numbers I just mentioned, and you can get in line for questions, concerns, or comments. Don, Joyce, and Ada are still waiting from last hour. Is it Ada or Ada? <laughs> anyway, thanks for having me on your show. Give a call and we can talk about plant selection, the cares, the ups and downs, and all arounds. The annuals, I wonder I was curious. I don't, I think it's a little bit premature for the annual, like the pansies and things like that, the cool season annuals to be showing up at the garden centers, but they should be showing up soon. We had a lot of questions in the past hour about the daffodil foliage coming up and uh you know, don't worry about that, whether it's coming up in ground and it's not coming up in your pots. The same thing is happening to me. The edibles are cool season, vegetables and things like that, the herbs, ground covers – you know, the house plans for the gentleman who the last call that we tried to squeeze in in 50 seconds, which was really just stupid of me to try to do. And he wanted a ground cover that would cascade down over some really kind of nasty looking concrete he had. And I said Boston ivy, but Boston ivy is probably not the one that you should use. Maybe consider some of the English ivy. And uh, it depends upon how far it is because it's going to take a, you know, a while. So don't expect it if it's more than a few, let's say, five feet or so. For the any kind of ground cover to be expected to start at the top and grow and cover something without any ability to, you know, let's say get any kind of root system during the whole course of growing down over that concrete is asking an awful lot of a ground cover. So my probably my recommendation as opposed to trying to grow a ground cover over the top of it. Would be trying to maybe plant some shrubs at the top of it and use the shrubs just to screen whatever that concrete is that he was trying to block. Because I'm a little concerned, regardless of the type of ground cover, that it's not going to be able to grow the whole length if it's more than just a few feet of concrete that he's trying to cover. So that was, you know, me, me trying to get the answer in really quick, which was dumb of me. I should have just said we'll take your call in the next hour. So anyway. If you do have any questions, concerns, or comments about your roses, your water gardens, tree shrubs, perennials, vines, lawns, those kind of things, you can give that call. Greg will answer the phone, and he will ask you for your first name and where you're calling from, and that's about all you need until you go on air, and then you can ask me your question. During the week, I do landscape consulting, which I call a walk and talk. If you'd like to have me come to your home, we can schedule it and go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. The homepage will have my email address and phone number. And just contact me and we'll go from there. And now the tip of the trial special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me and is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trial goes out to probably two weeks from now, I guess. Uh, yeah, I'm sure, it's two weeks from now. On March 17th, from 1 to 3 in Monroe County Annex, which is on Illinois Street in Waterloo, what they're doing is they're, having, they're working with the University of Illinois Extension Forestry Program, and they're looking for the Illinois Big Tree Register. And what this does is list the biggest individual trees of the native species in Illinois, and they just kind of keep up and tr- keep track of it. So Chris Evans is going to be there. He's the University of Illinois Extension Forester. He's going to discuss the program and how to measure the big trees and everything else. So if you're interested in attending this, it is free and open to the public, but you do have to register. So you can call 618-935-2542, or you can email cliff, C-L-I-F-M-B-R, at htc.net. So this is something Monroe County Annex on Illinois Street in Waterloo. You can get out there and try to find out the biggest native trees that are, you know, and just keeping to help the Illinois, you know, state of Illinois, just keep track of those trees. So another thing, too, you know, as far as the tip of the trial goes, the orchid show is still going on at the Missouri Botanical Garden. That will continue to the 25th. So stay up and with that. Also, at the Butterfly House, you can morpho Mardi Gras, so party on Mardi Gras at the Butterfly House. Morpho is just one of the types of butterflies that's in the Butterfly House. And then at the Shaw Nature Reserve, let's see, yesterday that was, you know, build a bird, build a bluebird house. But on the 8th, the Native Plant School pruning native trees, shrubs, and vines. That's going to be from one to four at the Shaw Nature Reserve. So you can just go to the Missouri Botanical Garden site, and it'll have the Butterfly House, which is in Faust Park. Shaw Nature Reserve is out in Gray Summit. And just, you know, look at all the various things. There is so much stuff going on, you know, through and about at these three different organizations. You will be amazed. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
1: Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX.
2: Yes, folks, questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Just realize that if you're planning on putting some grass seed down, uh, you know, the best thing to do would be to get a soil thermometer and start checking the soil temperature. The soil temperature hits about 55. That's when seeds germinate. So, And just remember as well, if you're going to put grass seed down, lawn seed, do not put a pre-emergent down because it's going to kill that grass seed as it germinates as well. We're headed to Centralia, Illinois and going into Don's yard. Hi, Don.
3: Hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I a question I have for you. Is it too early uh, right now to put the crabgrass prevention on the lawn, or should I wait another couple weeks?
2: Well, you know, the crabgrass, just like I was saying with the lawn grass, seeds Mm -hmm. is going to germinate, you know, the warm season, which crabgrass is a warm season weed. At the same time, the forsythia is in bloom, and that's when the soil temperature is about 55. So you can head out to your favorite garden center and get a soil thermometer, or you can just watch for, you know, basically the forsythia, the yellow flowering spring shrub, to go into bloom and then put it down at that time. If you put it down too early, what can happen is if we have an extended period of rain and things like that, it can just dilute it too much. In theory, what a pre-emergent does is create a chemical barrier on the surface of the ground, and any seed that's underneath that then consequently gets killed as the seed, you know, cracks open and starts growing. So that the only that's a disadvantage of putting it down too early.
3: Okay. Well, I appreciate it. I'll probably wait for a couple more weeks, or like I say, take your advice and go get the thermometer or just kind of, you know, kind of wait it out here for a little bit. But yeah. I, I appreciate it very much.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I mean, for sure – You know, you don't want to get it down too late because although there's going to be a whole sequence of, you know, grass, let's say weedy seeds that germinate. But you want to stay ahead of the game, but you don't want to get it down too early because you might just be wasting your money. So thanks, Don. And now let's go to Jackson, Missouri, which is south of Cape Girardeau, I believe, and go to Joyce's yard. Hi, Joyce.
4: Hi, Mike. Uh, Thanks for taking my call. I had two questions. One of them was I have a small yard, and so I wanted to grow sweet potatoes, but I don't have them in my yard. So I've got about an 18-inch pot, uh, pretty deep, and I was wondering if I could grow them uh, in, in a pot.
2: Are you talking about the ornamental sweet potatoes or regular nope, sweet? No, the
4: real, the real thing.
2: I don't know how many you can grow in an 18-inch pot. Well, I would, I've got three. Okay, I would give it a try and see what happens. You know, there should be adequate room. I don't know, you know, 18 inches is, you know, fairly decent in size. And just make sure that you, you know, don't let them, you know, get too dry or anything else. Uh And Mm -hmm. uh, when you put them in, you're going to put them down, you know, let's say vertical. So in other words, you don't want to lay them horizontal. Just put them in vertical and make sure they're not touching each other and they're not touching the sides of the pot. So in other words, you want to have some potting mix all the the way around each one of them. And just kind of go from there.
4: Okay, and my other question was, I've got a a beautiful knockout rose that I'm going to trim this weekend, Mm -hmm. Uh, but uh, I had Japanese beetles on them last year, and if I put plant oil on them and keep that on there as it rains, will that keep the Japanese beetle from producing? And if I do get the Japanese beetle, what do I do with them?
2: The Japanese beetles basically are grubs in the ground right now. Right. So the best thing you can do as far as controlling the Japanese beetles, at least in your own yard, is getting a, a grub killer. Okay. And put that down so that will kill the grubs as they, can, you know, as they, you know, get up near the surface. So that would be the best thing to do. There could be Japanese beetles that blow in from other places. You can't do too much about that. And as far as you can't continue, there is a horticultural oil. It's you know, you're you know putting a dormant oil on the roses right now, unless. You, ha- you know you have fungus problems and other things like that is not going to help control the Japanese beetle, but there is a horticultural oil that you could spray later on. But for the most part, most of the insecticides, unless you get a systemic type insecticide, have to hit the, you know, the insect directly. So you can't Mm -hmm. just cut it sort of randomly, sort of spray and say, well, that should take care of the Japanese beetles because I've sprayed, even though you haven't sprayed them directly or you haven't sprayed it directly on any kind of insect, whether it's aphids, whether it's spider mites or anything else.
4: Okay. So when you see those little mites or whatever, you can uh, spray it with uh, something and it'll kill them automatically.
2: Right. But you got to, like spider mites, you got to spray it on the underside of the leaf because that's where they hang out most often.
4: Yeah. Right, right. Right. Okay, well, that, that helps me a lot. I'll go ahead and, and get the grub killer because it's just in a um, an area. It's not in my yard. It's in a uh, an area just with the uh, rose and a couple other bushes.
2: Right. But just realize, okay. that, you know... The grubs are there. There's five different kinds of grubs here, and one of the grubs just happens to be a Japanese beetle. So that's they're just baby uh-huh. Japanese beetles is what they okay. are. Okay.
4: So I need to brush away the, the mulch and the leaves uh, and, and put it down there and then put the leaves back on it?
2: Yeah, you can do that, but, I mean, do the whole surrounding area because the grubs okay. are not just going to be straight below where the right, rose is. right.
4: Okay, they'll probably be in that six-by-six six area. Right,
2: have. and they could be in your yard, too, even though you don't suspect oh, they, they are. Oh, absolutely.
4: Okay, okay. All right, I sure will do that. Well, thank you so much.
2: Yep. Good luck with that. And Ada lives in St. Louis. Ada, how are you today? Very well. Thank
5: you, Mike, for call um,
2: for accepting my
5: call. Sure. What I'm um, calling about is that <clears throat> last year in July, the temperature was over 90. and My husband used weed Gone to kill the dandelions. Ooh. And after a time, we saw the zoysia was in bad shape. And then we got crabgrass and grew about a half of our yard. Uh, so
2: it looks terrible. So what can we do now? As far as the crabgrass grows, goes? Well,
5: yes, and as far as our zoysia.
2: Yeah, the zoysia you're probably going to have to replant. Okay. Replant. So in other words, he fried it. It got baked. It 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 was fried. Right. So in other <laughs> okay. words, it just baked it. Okay. And so consequently, what you can do is just... Uh, as far as the crabgrass, put the crabgrass preventer down. So, in other words, now, that's going to be a pre-emergent. It's a little bit too early for it right now. But in another couple of weeks, just put it down you know, and get, you know, get that going. And as far as the zoysia, you're just going to have to buy some new zoysia sod or new zoysia plugs.
5: Okay. And then just put it. But first do the, the crabgrass preventer.
2: Right. But, the, I mean, the crabgrass preventer as a pre-emergent will not affect sod. It only affects seeds. Okay. Okay.
5: I see. And do it in a couple of weeks or so?
2: Yeah. Wait for the forsythia to be in bloom, the yellow shrub, and then put it down at that time. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Certainly. Thank you. And Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
1: Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX.
2: Yes, folks, let's go to Highland, Illinois, and that's where Ray lives. Hi, Ray.
1: Hello, uh, Mike. Yes. Uh, I have a garden box about four by eight. Mm -hmm. And a little over three years ago, I planted three strawberry plants in that garden box with planning to have the whole garden box full of strawberries. Right. Uh, Last year, they got so thick, you know, from the runners. Should I... uh, thin those out a little bit? Absolutely. Just pu- pull some of the plants up?
2: Yes, because, yeah, you don't, you know, if you, if you can tell which ones are the older plants, you know, get rid of those. But, uh, okay. yeah, you don't, I mean, that's kind of complicated. Yeah, just thin it out a little bit.
1: Okay. The other, Another question, I wanted to plant a couple of fruit trees in my yard uh, uh is the spring a good time to plant or be better in the fall?
2: Availability in the fall, that would be the only thing I'd be concerned with because sometimes you know, fruit trees are not available then, so your probably best chance of getting the exact type of fruit tree that you want is going to be the springtime. It's not okay. the ideal time to plant because the ground is colder, but uh, that's, the availability is going to make the difference.
1: Should I plant those right away?
2: Yeah, they're not probably at the garden centers yet, but uh, as soon as they become available at the garden centers, then go ahead and plant at that time.
1: Yeah, I'll call them and see if they have any available. Okay. Thank you, Mike.
2: Yep, and now let's go to Max, and Max is in South County. Hi, Max.
3: Hi, uh, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I got a question about uh, a fescue mix lawn. Is this a good time of year to uh, dethatch it or power rake it? Uh,
2: You know, without knowing what the weather's going to be like, I would say it might be a little bit early. Because what happens is when you power rake or dethatch, you expose some of the crowns of the plants. And so consequently, by exposing the crowns of the plants, if we get like whatever happened to the northeast, you know, that cyber bombing you know cyclone or whatever that thing was and if the temperatures get really cold it could do some damage to your lawn so the ideal time would be to do it in the fall versus the spring but if you want to go ahead and try to do it i would still wait until we're kind of past the time where there's going to be some severe cold weather coming
3: Okay, and uh, would you put a pre-emergent down after you did it?
2: Yeah, if you don't, I mean, uh, definitely don't put it down before because you're just right, going right. to tear it all up. So if you think you need a pre-emergent, that would be the time to put it down as afterwards.
3: Yeah, I did the backyard. It was a lot of Bermuda, and that uh, took care of a lot of the dead stuff. But I just was wondering about the fescue in the front yard. Right.
2: It's you know, You're probably fine. Everything's probably good. But it's just, you know, the uh, sort of that element of caution that if we got even just one day where the temperatures dropped in, let's say, into the teens, it could really do some damage to something that's been power raked recently.
3: Okay. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Sure. It.
2: Yep. Thanks for calling. And now let's go to Henry in Henry's in Pacific. Hi, Henry.
3: Yeah, Mike. Uh, you made a comment about where your article was in Missouri Gardener magazine. Right.
2: The last page.
3: Uh, that's considered a prestige location, <laughs> sought after. Yes, really? <laughs> the, yes, uh, it's usually like number two or number three article. They usually put one of the regulars because, <laughs> first off, it 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 gives people the theme to look forward to the next magazine. But the advertisers love it because people want to read it because it is a, a favorite, and they flip through all the ads in the back to see that. <laughs> So you, you've got a prime location there, don't knock it.
2: Ah, shows you how dumb I am. Yeah, I
3: get a lot of professional <laughs> journals and stuff like, and science magazines and even Mechanics Illustrated does that. Really? They all, all, they all do that. So be proud.
2: Okay, great. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Henry. And yeah, I had no idea. I thought last was last. So anyway, Cornelius is in St. Louis. Hi, Cornelius.
6: Hi, Mike. Good morning. Hi. My question is, I'm helping a friend of mine, at least we're going to tackle her front yard. She has a tremendous mix of weeds and grass, and I don't know how to tell you what kind of weeds it is. But uh, we want to get rid of the weeds and plant, put some grass seeds out there. Question is, if we put weed tiller down, how long do we wait to put some grass seeds down, and how do, how do we go about tackling this project
2: first of all realize it's going to take multiple years it's not going to happen in one year or even two years so probably what i you know my recommendation would be you know go out there or have her do it and pull up some of uh, the weeds you know leaves and take them to a garden center and ask them what kind of weed this is because even though you're not putting it, let's say i'm not recommending a pre-emergent or anything else i'm recommending a post-emergent which would kill the weeds But if you put the, you know, let's say you put the grass seed out and it germinates and it starts looking good, and then you go out there with like a weed killer, even though in theory grass, lawn grass is not a weed, if it's a broadleaf weed killer that you put down, it still can damage newly germinated seed. So this is going to be a very, very tight, you know, orchestrated type thing, and Just don't, you know, you're just going to have to be patient. It took a long time for the lawn to get into this shape, and it's going to take quite a while to get it back out of this shape. And another thing, too, is there are there large trees in our yard or anything?
6: No, no large trees.
2: Okay, so it's in full sun, everything's okay, it's not shaded or anything like that?
6: Full sun.
2: Okay, so I would probably, first thing I would do is, you know, go to to a garden center, find out what these weeds are, and then start working from there.
6: Okay, it's it's a low-growing weed. It's uh, I, like I said, I don't know what kind of weed it is, but it's low-growing, and uh, they're there all through the winter. It's not something that dies off during the winter, and uh, so it's it, it's out there. I'll, I'll take it to the garden center and see what it is. But we should should we put the uh, herbicide down, and then put grass seed at the same time, or herbicide and then wait a few weeks, and then put grass seed down. Yeah, if you're
2: using a post-emergent weed killer, so in other words, post-emergent, so after it's already, you know, the weeds are there, they're in place, you're not trying to kill the weed seeds as they're germinating, you're just going to have to wait for a little while. Read the label, because the label will tell you, you know, if you spray this, you know, your grass seed, you're going to have to, best to wait for a week or two or however long it happens to be before you put the seed down, because... The, there's a residual effect, even though technically it shouldn't hurt grass. You know, narrow-bladed plants. There can be some residual residual effect that could affect you know grass seed as it's germinating.
6: Okay, should we uh, like rake the lawn with a uh, with a garden rake before we do that to give the seeds a uh, place to get down to the to the uh, soil?
2: Absolutely. You don't have to use a really. You don't have to scrape it really hard, and I'm hoping that you know the the dirt or soil or whatever is in pretty good shape. But you can even just use a leaf rake just so you can get a lot of the debris that's there, let's say the old thatch and all that kind of stuff out of there, so the seed can drop and hit the ground.
6: Okay, very good. Thanks a lot, Mike. I really like your show. Well,
2: thank you, and thanks for having me on your show. Jean lives in Oakville. Hi, Jean.
7: Hi. Thanks for being such a great teacher. My problem is I have this beautiful Christmas cactus. Ah. It's about two feet wide and a foot high. Whoa. My son told me to put it in a larger pot. Oh. But I'm thinking, could I transplant it and separate it into separate plants?
2: Oh, You're kind of taking a chance doing that. Yes, it can be done. My recommendation would be to go to the Henry Shaw Cactus Society. The Cactus Society you know, has meetings every month at the Botanical Garden, if that's a little bit too much. But when you look at the Christmas cactus, it's, when you pull it out of that pot, it's just going to be a huge wad of root systems. And so consequently probably the if i was going to do this and you know what i would do is i would take the you know christmas cactus after i pull it out of the pot and dunk it in some water in that way that may make it easier to tease the root system apart then i would take you know you don't have to you know have a digging fork from outside a big one but just some kind of hand fork and just drive it down in between some of the stems and see if you can just start pulling the root system apart. The reason why I'm saying water first because it may make it easier to get the root system apart. You don't want to drown it. You don't want to leave it in the water or anything else. But, uh, you know, if you go to the Henry Shell Cactus Society meetings, they address those kind of things at the meetings. So if, you know, they could give you some very specific information. Now, why do you want to pull it apart?
7: Because it's so big. Well, is that... And I thought if I could separate it, my friends admire it. And I thought... Put... <laughs> I would give them one of them.
2: Right. Well, you know, if you want to just, you know, share with friends, what you can do is just cut some of the stems off. So in other words, like, you know, how each little leaflets connected to each other, just get like three or four leaflets, cut that off and just lay it in a pot with with cactus potting mix, and it'll root right there. Now I know you probably want to take it apart and everything else, but it just could do some major damage to the root system. It could set your plant back if you're getting some good flowers off. I just hate to fool with things that are in you know that are doing well.
7: Well, I wouldn't do it without your advice. <laughs> so I'll just get me a bigger pot. And put it in. Yeah,
2: and, and uh, not too big, you know, only like an inch bigger than the one it's in. Oh, okay. So not not a huge pot by any means. And just cut off little stems and share those with your friends in little bitty pots with, again, cactus potting mix.
7: Well, this was given to me just, it was just a few little sprigs, and I just put it in regular potting mix.
2: Well, you could do that, but the cactus mix, you don't have to get that, but just, you know, potting mix is fine.
7: Okay, now should I give it any plant food?
2: Uh, you can get a go to your favorite garden center, and there is a type of fertilizer for cactus plants, and yeah, go ahead and just use that. Yeah. But again, if it's done well, don't monkey too much with it.
7: No, I don't want to mess with it. Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Nothing can ruin success like monkeying around with it.
7: Yeah, but it is really a great plant. Oh, absolutely. It's unbelievable. Yeah,
2: and it sounds like you've done a great job with it. That's why I hate to start saying, well, let's do some surgery and have some fun.
7: <laughs> <laughs> and where I live, I don't get a lot of sun. Really?
2: That's surprising.
7: It's by a window. Wow. I get very little sun.
2: Well, there's an obviously, it's just right for this one.
7: Okay, well, thank you very much.
2: Certainly. Thanks, Jean. Now let's go to Belleville, Illinois and into Barbara's yard. Hi, Barbara.
4: Hello. Hey, I've got two questions. One of them concerns some apple trees I planted about seven years ago, and they seem to be growing uh, straight up to heaven. They've never been trimmed before. Is it a good time that I could possibly trim them? Because it seems like all the juice is going into these branches that are going straight up.
2: Yes. First of all, is do you know what kind of apple this is? Is this a dwarf apple tree, semi dwarf, or a standard size tree?
4: Standard size. Tree.
2: So you're going to have to. So you've never had any f- apples on it, I'm sure. Correct. So you're going to have to wait to have ten plus years before you're going to get any apple production at all. But yes, I would start pruning it so the branches will go out laterally and not vertically.
4: Okay. So, so those top branches that are going to heaven basically could be cut off. Do you cut them all the way back to the tree itself? At an angle, or what do you recommend? Yeah, don't
2: don't just, just, you know, chop chop them off because because the new new growth growth is is just just going to shoot off at the top where you've cut them. So, you know, selectively take some of them off and go all the way back to wherever it's attached, if it's onto the trunk, if it's onto the next biggest branch or whatever it is, and cut it, you know, and just leave like a, let's say a quarter inch or so stub, and that's about all you want to leave. But, yeah, you want to have the lateral growth.
4: Okay, now if they're the semi-dwarf, is it the same process?
2: It's the, it's the same, same process, process, but you'll, you'll get, get fruit, fruit sooner. Okay. Dwarf trees, you'll get you start getting fruit about the five- or six-year mark. Semi-dwarf, six- to seven-year mark. Standard-sized trees, you know, 10-plus years.
4: Okay, okay. So I, I would think it's probably the semi-dwarf because they were saying it would be about seven years. Okay. And I didn't, like I said, I've never trimmed them before, but this time of the year is a good time to do that. Yeah,
2: I mean, basically you're making sure that you're cutting off the you know, potential flowers. If you want to watch the flowers and see the flowers, that's great. So just wait until right after they flower and prune it at that time. No pruning sealer or anything like that.
4: Okay. Uh, The second question concerns my English ivy. That's been established for a number of years, and it's on a hillside, and I've got hostas that come out in between it Mm -hmm. on the hillside. Can I cut that English ivy back yet, or is it too early to do that?
2: Uh, again, not knowing what the weather's going to be like, yes, you can probably do it without any kind of damage. The thing about cutting it back is you're exposing leaves and stems and everything else that have been protected by the growth that you're cutting off with the, doing the pruning or whatever. So, And if we have a really severe cold snap, it could you know, cause some winter scorch on the, you know, the remaining part of the plant. So you can wait a little bit. You know, but you've gotta watch out because you got hostas in there, you want to do it before the hosta fully starts coming up and you would damage that.
4: Yeah. That's where I'm it's always kind of a guesswork because of the hostas that right. come up and you have to do a lot of it then manually if you wait too long.
2: Right. You know? I, probably what I would do is maybe if you can hold off on you know doing any kind of pruning on the ivy, wait until let's say September or so so and do it at that time.
4: Uh in the fall? Yeah. Do it.
2: Not too late in the fall, but just as we're kind of summer's ending and that kind of thing.
4: Okay. I always did it in the spring. Well,
2: you can, you'll keep doing it. If you've had great success, I can't argue with success.
4: Yeah, but you could actually do it in the fall. I right. I always thought it would damage it more in the fall. Yeah,
2: not... I mean, you don't want to do it too late in the fall because you want it to heal and get everything kind of back in order.
4: Huh. Okay. Well, I appreciate your help. Sure. Love your show. Thank you. Well,
2: well, thanks, and thanks for having me on your show. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
1: Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX.
2: As most of us, any of us, whoever, start, you know, this is gardening season, starting or planned growth or whatever you want to call it, uh, be sure, even if you've used a product before, to reread the label before you make the first application because certain things may have changed even in the past You know, non-growing season. The, the company may have made some changes to it because that is going to make a big difference on what the impact is going to be. I think it was last hour where it was 90 degrees and somebody had sprayed a Weed Be Gone in their lawn to get rid of some of the broadleaf weeds, which was fine. But when it's 90 degrees, that was too hot and it burnt their zoysia so and burning you know a lot of plants can cause problems you know not only just from that standpoint but lots of different other things so timing everything is crucial if you're just going to take a you know who devil may care attitude then you might as well not even bother putting anything down it's probably better for your environment and better for the plant material too that you're trying to save so always read the label and sometimes they are confusing and if they are confusing. Go to your favorite garden center, have them explain exactly what this actually means. Because some of it is difficult, even for me, like when they say, oh, put one cup per thousand square feet. What? What does that mean? I don't, you know, so just, I mean, I can figure, I know what it is. But those are the kind of things you got to find out exactly what to do or else you could cause more trouble than good. Jane lives in South St. Louis. Jane, how are you today?
4: Hey, I'm pretty good, Mike. How are you? Very good. Uh, Listen, I just wanted to ask you, uh, can I trim my rubber tree plant? It's getting so large that bringing it in and out is becoming a real trick. So can I trim some of the taller uh, leaves off before
7: I sit it out this year? Oh,
2: sure. No, there's no problem. I mean, in the tropics, it's a regular kind of tree. It's like an evergreen magnolia tree. So, oh. yeah, you can do the pruning. It's not, you know, I mean, it shouldn't be any problems at all. Just make the cut at, about, at a 45-degree angle, and I probably would do it to, uh, you know, just realize there could be some sap flow, so you might want to wait till you get it outside before okay. you actually do it because a rubber tree means there's a lot of sap. So, in other words, okay. in theory, they could tap it and make rubber out of it, but that doesn't really happen.
7: <laughs> I don't think I'm going to. By that. right <laughs> but i thank you for the information sure good
2: luck with that yeah it's great i mean i love hearing the success stories like with the rubber tree or the christmas cactus or things like that i mean there's a lot of a lot of ways that things can go downhill kind of quickly frank lives in st louis as well frank how are you today
3: hey i'm fine mike a uh, real quick question is it even remotely possible to plant a tulip bulb this time of year
2: Uh, you plant it. It may put out some leaves. It's not going to produce any kind of flowering at all.
6: Gotcha. Thank you.
2: So, I mean, it's, you know, you can do it probably better off to get it in the ground if you want to, or into a pot or something, because just kind of leaving it in the paper bag or, you know, however it's being stored right now is not going to, you know, it may sort of just diminish before you can get it in the ground next fall.
3: Gotcha. Thank you very much.
2: Yep. And also, I want to mention, there's a few more minutes of the show, but at 10 o'clock, Investing Sense with Andy Smith and Bob Richards. 11 o'clock, the Healatec Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show with Scott Mosby. And then at 1145, the Cardinals versus the Atlanta Braves. So all kinds of stuff coming up on KMWX. Mike lives in Oakville. Mike, how are you?
0: I'm good, Mike. How are you doing? Very good. Great, great. Hey, I really do enjoy your show. How long have you been doing this now? My goodness.
2: I think it's been 113 years or something.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, I thought it was only about 100, but no. I really do enjoy your show. And a quick plug for St. Louis Composting. I buy a few loads there every year, so they do a great job. They do. Hey, uh, um, planting a vegetable garden. I know it's. I'm I'm probably jumping the gun, but we have a place about an hour south of St. Louis. I'm headed now. I, I, I know it's early for the lettuce seeds and that, but am I going to do any harm? Because I really won't have a weekend open for a, another three or four weeks. I want to put some lettuce seed, beet seeds, carrots, um, parsley. Is What do you think?
4: Those Wait, should, be should be fine. fine. The okay.
0: thing
2: I would say don't plant is like tomatoes no. and the warm season stuff. But the things that you mentioned are all cool season, especially lettuce.
0: Okay. The cabbage cabbage. Plants. Um, I mean, I read on the, the Missouri uh, extension uh, that you can put cabbage plants in now. Do you agree?
1: Yes.
2: it's They're cool season too. so you want to get them in the ground while it's still cool, and you're going to be harvesting them right as the weather starts warming up, so let's say mid-June or something along that line.
0: Yeah, we did it last year, and it really did good, uh, but we planted them about a week or maybe two weeks later than now. But I'm going to go for it it bud. thanks for your show
2: well uh, thanks and it sounds like your soil's prepared and everything else because that's what i was going to recommend for you know any kind of vegetable garden or this edible garden circumstance especially if you're not living there to watch it and monitor it you know on a daily basis really well-prepared soil is going to make a huge difference but it sounds like you're already doing that steve lives in edwardsville steve how are you today
3: Hey, real good. Got a quick question. I live in a rural area of Edwardsville, Er Edwardsville area where there's no restrictions on as far as burning leaves, anything like that. But I've got a, like, four-acre place with a lot of zoysia. Is it too early to burn it? And if it is too early to burn it, I've never burned zoysia before, but is it too early to do what I've done every year, what you said, is give it a crew cut to get the dead that's off of
2: it? Right. So if you're going to burn it, then you don't, I mean, basically what that does is get rid of the fats. That's what the old school yep. stuff, you know, was all about. It's just, you know, regard. I, you know, legally you can burn. I think most of Illinois can burn, but that's a certain specific times. If you can burn, yeah, before the, you know, the new growth starts greening or before the zoysia starts greening up, that's when you want to do the burn. So then after that, then there should be no minimum amount of debris left over. So you should be okay.
3: Okay, but it's it's not too early. I can go ahead and do that now.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't. The you know, the environment's right. So yeah, I, you know, again, it's. I keep you know probably five times today. I've said something weather dependent. If you do it, and we you're exposing some of the crowns, you know, on the zoysia by getting rid of all the thatch. If we get a severely cold area, you know, period of time, then it could cause some damage to the zoysia in that
3: area. So a person would maybe be better off waiting another. Two, three weeks yeah it, it, probably
2: um, I'd probably wait until let's say winters over which is what March 20th or something along yeah. that line
3: all right no that's good information but uh, and the same and the same thing if I decide not to burn to give it the crew cut like I've done every year and you've recommended to wait that same time period somewhere around the first part of sp- first week of spring, somewhere right around that,
2: and that's okay. just you know because you're cutting it, and even though the new growth may have started by then, because we're going to be nothing but warm weather like today, but you're gonna you're not going to really damage that new growth at all. All you're getting rid of is those brown blades, those tan blades, and the, consequently, you know that's what you're trying to get rid of anyway, because that's potentially fungus problems and other things as well.
3: And, and and what height would you cut? I know you've said it before, and but I always forget. But if you're, I'm, I'm just going to shave it off. What do you, like an inch off? The ground? Yeah, an but inch. Just
2: you know, cut it down to about an inch. Don't scalp it down too low because then you're exposing these crowns, let's say, not to the cold, but to sunburning. So that can cause its own problems. But yeah, leave the blades about an inch. That should be and, adequate. And if you and can just, bag, if you can bag all the mulch or the thatch yeah, rather
3: sweep it all up, and uh, get it all off of there so it's uh, it, it's no longer there. So. Well, perfect. All right. Have a good day.
2: Yep. Thanks, Steve, and thanks to everybody for calling in. I greatly appreciate it. And again, you know, the cool season weeds, the henbit, the chickweed, the annual bluegrasses, you know, the rabbit foot clover, shepherd's purse, all that, there's only about six or seven cool season weeds. Now they're aggravating for sure. But the warm season weeds, now they're going to explode again when the forsythia is in bloom and that includes ragweed purslane snotweed spurge mallow lamb's quarter black medic carpet weed crabgrass barnyard grass goosegrass foxtail so there's a lot more warm season weed seeds that are going to be germinating so if you potentially have a problem guess what Get that pre-emergent down, get you know, find out how many square feet you have and how much you're going to need and get ready to go. Mike Miller, KMOX garden hotline. I will see you next week.
1: I hope so. a proud partner of the 2018 100 PGA championship at Bell Reeve country club. King of Mox. King of HD, St. Louis, KZK HD3, St. Louis.
2: This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,